Hello, Chris here with another installment of the Make It Podcast. And, uh, you know, I always start all these episodes that way. I always say, hello, Chris here. What if I just started it different? Like, like what if I just went, <laughs> Chris here with another installment of the Make It, like just open, just do a cold open, with just me laughing. Would that work? Like doing different things? Maybe, uh, maybe I just come in with a sneeze. Chris here, <laughs> another <laughs> installment of the Make It podcast. I don't know. We're workshopping things. We're workshopping things. We'll see. Anyhow, before we get to today's guest, I want to encourage everyone to go to our website at www.bonsai.film and click on the resources link. There you'll be able to join our creative community and be given access to our ever-growing slew of film-related resources and tools at your disposal, of course, at zero cost. Again, go to www.bonsai.film to enjoy and leverage our ever-growing resource library, amongst many other things like our online shop where you can pick up an autograph poster, for example. And you might be asking, what is an autograph poster, Chris? Well, what it is, is the best production gift to give uh, once you wrap. You go to our site, you get some autograph posters, you bring them to set, you have everyone on the cast and crew sign all around uh, the Make It logo, which is right in the middle, the rest of it's blank. So you just sign everyone's name, then you give them out, then you put them in a frame, and when your movie blows up, now you have this really cool artifact that's one of a kind that you can keep for the rest of your life and always remember who worked with you on that thing. So it's this really cool thing. It's really affordable, and it's much, much, much better than giving away T-shirts at your uh, post-production party. So something to think about there. And now on to today's podcast guest. On this episode, we have a conversation with... Dicey Wildman. Dicey is a director and writer with a love for the unusual and the spooky. She creates and develops art that embraces the absurd as well as the darkness. Growing up in Nashville, Tennessee, Dicey developed an aesthetic sense that is derived from the natural world, but her interests skew consistently to the grisly. In addition to filmmaking, she has supported the independent film community by co-founding The Incredible Defy Film Festival, my words, not hers, and by making films collaboratively with the horror trio Daisy Dukes Films. So, without further delay, I give you a woman you would never want to invite to campfire storytelling. Trust me. Director and writer, Dicey Wildman. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. Dicey Wildman, and I am a Nashville filmmaker and the founder and director of the Defy Film Festival. 
Currently, we are working on our fourth year of the festival, which will happen in August of 2019, which is really exciting. And um, me and some of my creative partners are working on a couple of short films that we hope to shoot and release also in 2019. Awesome. Is it good? Uh, <laughs> no, no, that was great. And and I'm I'm really excited to talk to you. It's it's I think you are our first festival founder that we've that we've had cool. uh, on the podcast. So uh, getting an opportunity to talk to you about some of those things and, and, um, some of the work that goes into that is, um, is going to be really, I think, beneficial and interesting to hear about. And, um, and plus, um, from, from my, uh, vantage point, at least there isn't a filmmaker that's actively working in Nashville who doesn't have, uh, a, who doesn't know you, and then B, who doesn't have a great deal of respect for you. So um, how did you get so popular? First of all, let me say that uh, I'm not sure all of that is true, but that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. <laughs> um, and I do, I think part of that is because, um, you know, I, I went to college in Massachusetts. I left, I'm from Nashville and left and assumed I would never return, but when I did, I really, um, I really dug in, I think, and tried to, um, nurture the film world here on a lot of different, on any scale that, that I could. Um, and so I think because of just working really hard, I've, I've, um, met a lot of people doing really incredible things. And then I'm just always, I'm really fascinated by people. And so I love to help people do what they're doing and take risks with them and, and try new things. And so, you know, I think, um, I've met and, um, cultivated really interesting relationships with a lot of people here because I'm just really interested in people. Um, and, uh, I love being a part of other people's projects and talking to people about what they're working on. And it comes from a really honest place. Yeah. I, I think that's, I, I think that's a huge part of it. And obviously um, you putting yourself out there and we'll talk, we'll definitely get into that as, as the conversation progresses, how you've put yourself out there. Um, uh, so, so willingly, but I do want to go back a little bit. Uh, you're sort of known as being, uh, this person that was super creative and super smart in, in high school. Um, when you were back, you know, in high school, um, was it always film or was it, or was it just being creative in general? Did, did you know which direction you were going to go in? As a kid, it was creativity in a lot of different directions. It was making jewelry and doing collage and painting and poetry and all of that. But it was really around like 10, 11, 12 that, that film became the focus for a little while. I I knew I wanted to be a part of movies. I was really intoxicated by that, but I didn't totally know what that meant would entail. And so I thought I wanted to be an actress. Um, that is not the right choice for me. Absolutely. And that was short lived. And it was pretty quickly that I learned like that I could tell stories from behind the camera. And, um, and that became my focus, but yeah, I mean, from a very early age, I knew that I wanted to, um, I knew that I wanted to make movies because, uh, and you and I have talked about this before, Chris, that I, um, you know, I saw, uh, Harold and Maude at a very young age and it, 
blew my mind and I, and I wanted to be able to change the world through storytelling in the way that that film had changed me. I like, I, I knew immediately that I wanted to be a part of uh, that feeling in other people's lives. And I, um, I'm still aiming for that. Yeah. And for sure. And then another movie jumped out at you too, which is, uh, was it night of the living dead as well? I love Night of the Living Dead, but the one that really, uh, another one that changed my life was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, it's Invasion. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's right. No. The one I'm thinking of is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, both so incredible. Um, but yeah, Invasion, I saw um, after film school, I'd gone through all of it. I was making work that was really um, kind of about interpersonal relationships and the difficulties of of talking to other humans and figuring out who you are. And then I saw invasion of the body snatchers and, and again, had that experience of, Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that it could be like this to, to watch a film and that watching a film could make you feel this way. And so almost immediately I realized that I wanted to use horror as a way of, of talking about the things that I was, I was thinking about. Yeah. Because that's almost exclusively uh, what you're doing now um, but, but yet it was Harold and Maude that sort of made you fall in love with, with the aspect, uh, the art of, of filmmaking, which is interesting in itself to me, because here's a movie that came out in 1971 and, and you're watching it, uh, somehow, <laughs> some way. So, so, uh, is, is that, is that, um, influence, um, or does that influence come from, from your dad, your mom, uh, siblings? My dad, my dad really loves film. Both my parents love film and, and storytelling. And, um, but my dad really, I, I think, um, influenced some of that. Um, you know, he put me down in front of, um, um, paper moon at a really early age and, <laughs> um, to kill a mockingbird. And wow. so I think, I think, that, uh, wanting to watch difficult work and finding it really charming and, and transformative, I think, um, probably comes from him, but you know, there's, I, I really like all kinds of films. I mean, I love, I love sitcoms. I love romantic comedies. I love documentaries. Um, and it's true that at this point in, in my life horror is the way that I want to tell stories, but I am into all kinds of stories, which is part of what makes being a part of the Defy Film Festival is so fascinating and wonderful is that we do have this last year, we kicked our festival off with a, with a horror night, but we have all kinds of films and it's just so incredible to, to watch so many different kinds of work coming from this sort of experimental voice. Um, and I mean, every single thing there turns me on. It's all so exciting and, um, there's really no limit to what, um, I'm interested in. There's so much to dig into right there. So uh, if you can tell me, and I'm sure you have this off, off the top of your head, <laughs> um, what, what is, what is your favorite sitcom of all time? Okay. Um, I'm going to go with cheers. Ooh. Yeah. I feel, I, I really love that one. Although I am in the process right now of rewatching um, uh, Parks and Rec, which is just endlessly charming. and has the biggest heart possible. Mm-hmm. And your favorite romantic comedy, since you brought it up. Okay, I did that. You're right. Um, I mean, I think I could take out there. I, I think I would. I think that's just so, um, so sweet. And it's obviously romance from a very different perspective. But that idea that that 
loving another person can really teach you about yourself. And I, I stand by that one. Yeah. I, I like that. That's good. And I, I, I want to go back just a little bit because I also think just go, you mentioned going to college in Massachusetts, you went to Hampshire college and I am, I'm, that's such a curious decision. And, you know, I don't think I fully recognized that until, um, I, I went through the journey of, of, uh, trying to put my, or not trying to, I did it, uh, putting my oldest daughter into college and, it was through that process that I recognized how many um, seniors just followed the path of the other kids in school. Like mm-hmm. 90% of my daughter's graduating class went to university of Tennessee just because like, like lemmings, like just like we're going to go there because that's where our dad went. That's where our right. mom went. That's really close to home. So I have to imagine that that was a pretty daring choice for you to go to Massachusetts of all places, um, not be lured by the hometown colleges, not be lured by, by beachfront colleges per se, like, like a San Diego state or something like that. Or, uh, you know, so, um, I'm, I'm curious, why did you choose that? Yeah. You know, I I think it was a big decision and I don't think I completely understood it, um, until it was already made. Um, but I knew that I wanted to, go to a school that, um, you know, I knew I wanted to study film. And so at the time that I was going to school in, in 2003, I, uh, a lot of schools were developing film pro- programs, but they weren't, um, really, um, there wasn't a great foundation there. And so mm-hmm. the school that I chose in Massachusetts, Hampshire had, it was a newer school. It was, it, um, was founded in um, the seventies, but it had had a film, a really great prestigious film program since the beginning. So that kind of drew me to it. Um, but I also knew I wanted to go to a school where there were people studying all kinds of things. I knew I wanted to study art, but I didn't want to only be friends with art kids. And so, um, it was important to me to go to a school that had a, a a lot of different focuses. And then, you know, I was kind of a, a weird kid. I was a weird student. excuse me. And, um, sorry. Um, And Hampshire is a weird school. It really, you know, you don't have, there aren't grades. You kind of make up your own curriculum based on what you're drawn to. And then, you know, in your final year, you just have a lot of freedom to make a project. And that kind of is the way that my brain works. And so it, it, it was a perfect choice for me, but yeah, going, leaving the South was a big deal. You know, I don't think I totally understood the identity of, of being, from the South until I, until I left and realized, you know, actually that I, I think I am a lot more Southern <laughs> than I thought I was. Um, but yeah, it was, it was big. And I, I really attribute that to, um, a lot of who I am now, um, specifically that school, but then also, like you say, that choice to, to go somewhere really, really different, um, and, and be there for all four years. Um, and I, I think I wouldn't be the same person if I hadn't made that choice. For sure, for sure, and you don't come off as as um, overly southern, so that might have been that might have been part of that experience as well. Um, uh, there's almost a, a pragmatism to you that that southern people don't necessarily have on their face, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely appreciated that about you. 
What's I that? love a person who like holds a door open. I love a like <laughs> friendly nod to a stranger. Like that is something that it does not happen in um, in Massachusetts or in New York City where I lived briefly afterwards. Um, you know, and I didn't realize how much I loved that until it wasn't there. And you know, I like a little friendly chit chat with the person behind the counter. So I think I think. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, I, that stuff is, uh, part of my DNA in a, in a really different way. I had a, a conversation, uh, recently about that, which is, um, I was talking to someone about the fact that, um, you know, in Nashville, uh, and in the South in general, you know, people mm-hmm. are, aren't, they're just as, um, how, how can I put this? They're super nice, even if it's fake. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and and that people would say, well, I don't want people to be fake. And, I would, and then I, I say, no, you, no, that's not true. Like it's easy. <laughs> it's, it's easy to say, oh, I don't want people to be fake. But fake uh, is very pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect word for it. You know, so, it's, yeah. it's important to find those relationships where there isn't any of that phony facade. Definitely. But, you know, when you're just moving through the world and getting your groceries and everybody is struggling it you know a little bit of sugar coating is actually it's not so bad exactly exactly it's actually awesome like so people go out in the world in the south and and they have a conviction to making the world a better place through their own actions even if they don't know you so that's the fake mm-hmm. part the fake part is they're being really nice to you without having provocation to be nice to you outside of the yeah. fact that you exist so um i like that i like a little bit of yeah, throw a little icing and a cherry on top of, of everything for me. That, I, I dig it. I agree. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm with you on that. So so while you were at college, um, uh, you went you went there specifically for film. Did you make any college films? Oh yeah. So I um you know I went through all of the phases of of you know shooting on Bolexes and you know, <laughs> sh- silent films of my friends taking showers and all of that. <laughs> Um, you know, all the, the phases you have to go through to get to making things that are worth watching. <laughs> and then I had a senior, senior thesis that was about the validity of make-believe as mm-hmm. a form of, of coping mechanism, mm-hmm. uh, which I have not watched since I graduated and I hopefully will never be forced to watch again. But yeah, I made a, I made a lot of work at that time. And then when I got back to Nashville, I was making almost exclusively music videos for people in town, um, which is a really different kind of creative process, but really fascinating. Yeah. And a lot of people do go that route. You mentioned coming back and just digging your heels in and and getting right to work. Uh, what was the biggest challenge you had to overcome when you came back to Nashville to start, um, making your way in film? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, you know, some, I think the biggest challenge was just convincing other people to take you know, take you seriously when you're not even sure that you need to be taken seriously yet. And there really, there has to be a leap of faith there on, from a lot of different directions. I was lucky enough to, um, be introduced really early on in my return to, um, a woman who is now a very good friend of mine, Nora Jane Struthers, who had also just moved to Nashville from New York city where she was from, um, in order to be a, um, Americana musician and, she was asking people to take leaps of faith on her and she afforded me that, um, really incredible kindness, um, 
And so she and I made a number of music videos together for her. Um, and it really was the beginning of me realizing that, you know, it wasn't, I, w I wasn't lying. This is really something that I, I could do, that it was important to me. And um, given her little, her, her faith without knowing me at all, without anything really to show for it, um, we were able to kind of come up with a voice that, that I was proud of. And that helped get over the hump of, of taking myself seriously, which helped other people take me seriously as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. And and you mentioned jumping into music videos, but to me, I look at I, I look at your background. It's really interesting because you, you're always uh, taking something uh, to the next place. So a, a lot of directors, when they start doing music videos, the idea is let's let's do a great affordable music video. Um, hopefully, for a great artist that that has a great song that's a hit, and that's a, a great path. But yes. but but you worked with with gardening that architecture and and instead of just doing a music video, you guys did a three part film for for the album. And I'm uh, I'm curious, uh, how did you um, get involved in that project? It's really really cool. The album is called Fossils, and it's a really good album. Everyone should listen to it. Um, One really should. It's really that gardening that architecture is just fronted and uh, um, by a girlfriend of mine, Sarah Saturday, and the album is just incredible. And that experience of making fossils was just mind blowing, life changing. It was, um, it was too big of a project. It was so ambitious of her to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this feature film for my album. And we were all just crazy enough to go on this path with her and, we are all forever changed by it. It was so beautiful and so incredible and learning how to collaborate with other people is a, um, something I think I really learned working with her and the people that, um, that we made that film with. Um, and it's a, it's a skill that I continue to try and hone. I think it's so important. Um, yeah. And fossils was, was amazing, but it was wild by the end of it. We were, you know, we were having so many meetings all the time trying to just, you know, um, bubble gum and shoestring our way through this feature film. <laughs> we had this like hive mind of all of us kind of, we could finish each other's sentences by the end. And it was, um, it was an incredible experience. I'm really, really proud of that work. But, but you brought in Jonathan Rogers and Maki Dapp on this to, to direct certain elements. It's a three part film, right? Correct. Yes. And, and so, um, or, or should I step back and say they were brought in? So, so, what role did you play? Like, how did you get involved in the project? Okay. So, um, Sarah, um, before we met, just did a little, use the internet to the best, um, possible way and just put out a little, a little shout of looking for, for filmmakers in town to make something. And my sweet friend, um, Jessica Malone always is the first one to, to throw my name into the hat, which is so wonderful. Um, and so Sarah and I met and I had, a, I was at a moment I, I, um, just taken on a day job and was feeling a little, a little, um, you know, uh, thin and knew that I was going to, I was going to meet Sarah, but, but was pretty positive. I was going to say no to being a part of a project it, without even, it was no judgment on her music Her music is beautiful and incredible, but I just, I didn't feel like I had the bandwidth. And then we got together and it was, it was un, there was no doubt I was going to say yes. Immediately, there was such a, a kindred energy there, and Sarah remains one of my best friends. 
Um, and so right away I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in a hundred percent, anything you want. Let's, let's have this child together. Um, and so she, she had been working with another, uh, young team of students that, um, that, that relationship kind of dissolved around the same time. And so I brought in, um, my friend and creative partner, Jennifer Bonnier. Um, and then we together brought in Jonathan Rogers and Maki Dapp, um, to, to turn that into three parts. Um, and so Jonathan or, uh, did the first three songs, Jonathan Rogers did this bridge in the middle two songs. And then I took on the final three songs. Um, and that was really incredible. Sarah, I mean, I learned so much and, and continue to learn even just from remembering the way that she, um, handled that project. Cause obviously when I mean, it was her, her, it was her album and she, it meant so much to her. And yet she was so graceful in her ability to to be very clear about what she needed and what she wanted from it. And then to give really a lot of freedom. And, um, it was, it was incredible. Yeah. And, and there goes, uh, that thing I mentioned earlier about you being super popular. So, <laughs> so it kind of, it, it kind of paid off for you because you had a friend, Jessica Malone that came yeah. out and, and, and rep for you and sort of believed in you when you didn't, you were just going to say no to the job. And, and in a way this was kind of lemonade before lemonade, right? Like this. Yeah, is... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, people should go find this and watch it. I think, I think they'll definitely be inspired. Um, so here you are working in Nashville, you jumped, you've jumped into a few projects, uh, doing music, um, fast forward to, to today, you have 28 credits. You, uh, co-founded the Defy film festival, um, you've probably accumulated tons of advice along the way, but I'm curious, uh, what are the two best pieces of advice you've received so far in your career and, and who did they come from? Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to take this a little bit in a different direction. Really early on, um, I was working with, um, a production house in town and I was just helping out as a, as a like art PA on a, on a, uh, music video and one of the women on that music video, um, she was an older woman and she just did not really get where I was coming from, which is totally fair. And, but she looked at me and she said, if you're going to make it in this business, you're going to have to change everything about yourself. <laughs> and I right away knew that like, okay, that's the, that's what I'm going to be receiving. And obviously I'm not going to change everything about myself. I wouldn't even know how to start if that was something I wanted to do, but right. That was a really great lesson in that, that, you know, no matter how much, how much you smile and how, you know, um, open you try and be, there are always going to be people that aren't going to get where you're coming from and that's totally okay, but you have to be true to yourself. And so that was kind of this reverse advice where I, I learned a very different lesson than what she was trying to teach me. Um, mm -hmm from it. And, um, the only other thing that comes to mind really is something that's not a specific piece of advice, but coming back to Nashville and seeing so many people really hustling and, you know, and I think that you see that in a lot of different ways here, you know, obviously the, the primary way that people think of is, you know, people carrying around their guitar and trying to, to get their big break. Um, which I think is, is really incredible and beautiful and valid. Um, but I think in addition to that, um, you know, you just see people who are, who are hustling and I'm really inspired by that. And I think there's a lot of people with a lot of talent and if you're not willing to hustle for it, you know, then, then it doesn't belong to you and that's okay. Um, and so 
you know, it's not direct advice I was given, but watching the example of, of artists in this community that are, you know, choosing to, to work so hard in, in a town that's, you know, not always easy for, for musicians or filmmakers or, or anything. Art is hard. Um, but you've got that drive. And when I see that in someone else, you know, that's, that's really inspiring to me. And that, um, is almost better than a, a piece of direct advice, I think. Yeah. And, and you've really shown that in terms of the work you've put out there, um, you've, you've really, um, sort of live this this intent driven life and career you, you started uh grassy um grassy, grassy knoll. knoll yeah in east nashville was that was that uh talk about putting that out there because you you mentioned hustle and here you are you, you go out you say okay the best way the fastest way forward for me to be impactful in this community is to create and you've you've done that a few times over and over and over again, where you've created something bigger than yourself, and bigger than a film to bring people together. And Grassy Knoll was was the first thing you did in East Nashville. Uh, I, I'm wondering how that came about, um, what the future of that is, if anything, uh, and if that was a precursor to uh, the Defy Film Festival. It very much was a precursor. Um, in a way that I could not have understood at the time. Um, when it happened, you know, I was just, I was really, it was really kind of my like love letter to Nashville. And I was here and, and kind of figuring out what my, where my feet were going to land. And, um, and I had gone to an event downtown um, and it was run by a, a beer brand. That's not even a local beer. And they put <laughs> together this like, huge number of people like great cool fabulous beautiful people downtown to watch films that were actually just like it was meant and supposed to be that they were short films uh but really they were just like commercials made for free for this beer and you know and i, I looked at these people and i was like we all deserve better than this there's there's an energy people want to be out doing things um and and so it kind of, I just started the wheels turning there of, okay, what, what's the event that I would want to go to? Um, mm -hmm. and so, you know, there, there were movies in the park here already, uh, but those were kind of, uh, oriented a little bit younger. It was more like Harry Potter kind of stuff. Um, and so I just started walking down this path of, okay, how do you, how do you do an outdoor movie? What are the legalities of that? How do you serve beer? All this stuff. And, you know, um, it was a really great lesson that I definitely, I continue to use with filmmaking and absolutely with Defy, which is, um, you know, you just start walking and you ask the right people, the right questions. And it's okay if you don't know how to do something as long as you're willing to ask. Um, and so, yeah, it was, um, you know, it started, uh, my now husband, then boyfriend, uh, we were kind of thinking like, you know, East Nashville needs a movie theater. It needs a drive-in. It needs something like that. Uh, we were lucky enough to know, um, Bob Bernstein who owned that little lot next to, um, Bongo East because I, at the time was actually uh, a waitress at Fido. Mm -hmm. And so just, we just started walking down this and, um, you know, then five years later we had, um, been going strong for, um, from April through October of, of those five years showing really cool, weird films that, you know, the, the, um, criteria for was just that, that we wanted to watch them outside, that that was, um, that, you know, it's a really, it's a different kind of viewing experience to watch something outside. And so, but 
it was just about what would, what's the event that we would want to attend. And I started that with a girlfriend, um, Lauren, and then, um, she stepped out and moved to New York and my friend Ben stepped in and, and, um, we ran that together and it really, it taught me so much about, about, about Nashville really, but then about event planning. And that's not a thing I ever intended to go into, but it's a thing I really enjoy. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I stepped out of that in order to do defy, but, um, I really am, um, so thankful for that experience and what I learned there. And I, I, think really fondly on those five years, <laughs> even as hard as it was and how many rain outs we had. I really loved that. Yeah. And it's, it's, you said so much there. I want to break down a little bit of it. Um, uh, and, and I will agree with you that event planning, if you can event plan well, then you could probably produce a movie. Um, it's very yeah. similar. There are, yeah. are, there are a thousand little things to consider. And then you actually get really good at com- compartmentalizing those things into, into their proper areas and into their pop- proper silos. You become a master delegator. Um, and it really, it, it really does uh, parallel with, with directing or producing uh, a, a film. Yes. Um, I've, I've done a, a lot of that in my life. Um, put on big presentations for, you know, governor Haslam and, Megan mm-hmm. Barry and um, gosh, who was a uh, Carl Dean? Just just a bunch of people. So um, it's um, I can certainly relate. Um, I, I want to go back a little bit. You said something amazing there, which was it's okay not to know something as long as you're willing to ask. Um, and I want to I want to dig in a little bit uh, for the listeners on how does one sort of go about. Um, putting together uh, a, basically a movie night that's outside for the community. Um, you you kind of revealed a little bit of that, which was uh, you worked at Fido, which by the way, I loved and I, I cut <laughs> my teeth as a writer at Fido uh, in my twenties. Um, so I love that place. Um, if it's the one in, in Hillsborough village. Yeah. And um and you said, well, I knew Bob Bernstein. So, so there was that lot next door and you had the courage just to ask, can we use it? I assume. Mm-hmm. But, but fr- from there, I'm curious, how did you procure the films? How did you, wh- what did you have to do to get additional financing to sort of get a screen going? How did you get the word out about the, uh, about the night uh, to, to get everyone to come? How did you deal with liability and insurance and those things? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of that is the not so fun stuff of, of the liability and the permits and things. Um, you know, uh, in terms of the projection, I was really, um, I think Bob actually, um, knew, um, uh, Philip Hulquist who, who was at that time doing the projection for the severe park, um, presentation there, there mm-hmm. and, you know, he was like, 25 at the time and just really like open to, to new projects. And he remains a, a good friend of mine and he's the projectionist for defy. Um, but you know, just called him up and how does this work and what do you need? And he came and set up his own, um, screen. And then eventually we built, we built one so that he wouldn't have to do that every time. And, um, you know, but really that was, that was a really great partnership that, you know, I think just somebody knew somebody who knew who had a screen and, um, in terms of the, um, how to get the films, you know, there's a couple of different, uh, 
companies that do that kind of distribution. And so you have to create relationships with those companies and, and see what films they have available and how much they cost and you know, what they're, each one like charges based on different things. And, you know, it's just a lot of like legal quagmire that is very easy to navigate if you're willing to just sit down and, and call people up and say, I don't know how to do this. This is, this might be a dumb question, but this is what I'm trying to do. Can you help me? And I mean, 90% of the time people love that. into that. Yeah. I, I love that. That, that is so small of a thing, but it is the thing. It um, is. I can't tell you how many times in my own life and in people I've seen around creatively that just won't uh, admit that they don't know for sure. Yeah. And then won't ask the question or, or ask for the, the right kind of help uh, to optimize the project. So just your humility um, alone sounded like along with uh, your unbridled hustle, of course, <laughs> uh, uh, allowed for this to, to, to come about. And, and, and so from there you started getting into short films, feature films, um, and, and working in that. And I just watched your short film inside the house. And um, I was happy to see that Marissa was uh, starring in that. Isn't she great? Oh my God. Um, yeah. Marissa Grant stuff. And uh, you know, I, I was, I was curious about the casting uh, too, though, because I don't think she cannot not be funny. Um, so, so even though she was in there and was, it was, um, was, was obviously, uh, someone who, and I don't want to give it away, but someone who was, who was <laughs> definitely about to be the victim. Um, everything that she was doing inside that house to me kind of made me smile. It yeah. was, was a little bit funny. And she might just be one of those people who, um, cause I've, I've watched her uh, in her web series, um, almost, um, almost balanced, foodie. almost balanced foodie. Yes. Thank you. And, uh, she's funny as hell in that. Um, uh, there, <laughs> uh, she, and, and she's just funny. So I, I, I didn't know if you wanted, you know, was the idea to have someone with, I mean, were you winking at the audience? I mean, obviously the ending, Yeah. but, but was that the intent the whole time? Um, I have a couple of things I want to say about that. First of all, Marissa is just so incredible and so fun to work with. And she made that really easy. You know, if you've seen it, there's a fair amount of prosthetics and things that happened to her. And uh -huh. <laughs> she, she's so incredible to work with. It was always our intent to, um, <clears throat> you know, I, there's a lot in that film I and mean, it's three minutes long, but we really were making a very clear, uh, homage to Halloween. And kind of specifically, like, less the Laurie character on Halloween and really the the friend character who ends up, like, halfway in the doorway with, in her underwear. And, like, you know, that and that that vibe in Halloween is so funny and is so, so ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. And so that that's kind of definitely where we were going with that. Um, and then, you know, exactly right. Marissa just brings such, um, you know, that exactly like you said, that little winking um, thing to it. But like, I will, like even like even the way she was dancing. Yes. Oh my was, gosh. Was, was, was classic horror movie, like dancing, right? Totally. Totally. And she so got where we were going with it. You know, she's a really incredible, um, <clears throat> writer and filmmaker herself. And so she really understands what, um, every script needs. I can say though. So we recently, um, Jennifer and I, um, Jennifer who 
<clears throat> co-wrote and produced and directed uh, Inside the House with me. We just produced a short film for our friend Caleb Dirks, who's an incredible filmmaker in town. Um, mm-hmm. And we cast Marissa in it, and it is not funny at all. And <clears throat> we all worried that maybe, you know, Marissa's so funny, can she do this? And let me tell you, the first audition we had with her, she was so incredible. And I think we're all about to learn that Marissa has a lot more to her than, than we've seen yet. And I'm excited. uh, Yeah. She's just, she's such an incredible talent. Um, that film is called untitled and, um, we'll be doing a festival circuit in 2019 for sure. That is exciting. I will look out for that. And I I hope I get to, I hope I get to see that. I hope you'll send it to to me and Nick for us to look at. Um, yeah, that's 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 great, and and just the way that that movie ends—it's not traditional horror. It it is kind of horror with a with a a twist of some sort. Um, uh, it, it, are all your films going to have something like that? Because um, uh, I don't want to give away the ending of Inside yeah. the House, but but something happens that turns the movie on its ear and and sort of uh, turns the perspective around where the person you're supposed to be scared of now has a reason to be afraid himself. <laughs> right. um, so, so is, is that sort of your flavor? Is that, is that what you're going to do in all your films? You know, um, I do love that. I love this inside the house really almost has just like a pretty classic joke structure where you think you're going over here and then surprise it's over here. And mm-hmm. it, it's actually screened at a couple of um, specifically comedy festivals because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, while, while Jennifer and I aren't, um, you know, always trying to do comedy, we, we are looking at things from a really irreverent perspective. And our goal with horror is, um, you know, I think horror and comedy are actually really similar in terms of the structure where, you know, you can't be, you can't be made to laugh and, and you can't be made to be scared without that surprise. And so there's a lot of, it's a similar tool, um, toolbox there. And so it was fun to play with that, with this one. Um, you know, I don't think that, um, the comedy twist to it is something that we are always going to bring to the table, but I think we were always going to bring a twist to the table. We're really, um, you know, we're, we're fans of, of all film and obviously horror, um, but we don't want to just make something that everyone's seen before. And so, you know, the scripts that we're currently in post or in pre-production on, um, you know, we're, we're using this language of horror, but we're trying to bring something new to the table always. And so that twist will definitely always be there, but I'm not, I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I'm excited to see, see where you go. Uh, you know, you've been quoted as, as someone who uh, has built a festival uh, about uh, undiscovered artists that live on the fringes that you love artists that are on those fringes. Uh, uh, people like, uh, Miranda July, uh, Hal Hartley, um, uh, Lynn Ramsey to name a few. Yes. Um, so I'm curious, uh, what is it that they do from a technical or skill standpoint to you? that made them stand apart and, and anyone else you want to name. I'm curious um, um, who, who you want to emulate and, and why you, why that group of people? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, you there, and those three artists that you mentioned are all so different. Um, but I do think one thing that they have in common is 
uh, a really unique voice. You know, obviously Miranda July is, is always doing her own thing back from her days of, of, you know, oddball short films. Um, but I think, I think all of those artists take the form really seriously. It's all there. There's an intentionality to it. That's really beautiful and inspiring, but then they do, they bring their, their own take on it. You know, um, Lynn Ramsey, for example, um, in, we need to talk about Kevin, you know, it's, it's a story that I, I, whenever I hear people talk about it, I always feel like they're, they're missing one piece of it or another piece. It's, it's kind of amorphous and, and wild. And, um, you know, it's, she packs a lot into that, but she uses this beautiful visual rhyming throughout the entire thing that, you know, I mean, it's just, it's breathtaking. Um, and I think all of those, those three artists and, and artists that I'm drawn to both, you know, for my own entertainment as well as for Defy. Um, and then the things that, that uh, I'm inspired by are people who are just being, um, being very true to their voice. And I think that's, um, I think there's a, so much bravery to that, to, you know, to say, this isn't really what people are doing, but I'm going to tell this story in this way. And, you know, I mean, there's no film like a Miranda July film and it's uncomfortable sometimes and it's odd and it's, and it's weird and it's silly, but it feels really honest. And, you know, also in, in Miranda July's writing her short stories, there's just an honesty to it. And it's not everybody's honesty, but, but it is hers with such in, intense passion that you can't miss it and you can't fault it. It's just, it's so clear and true. And, um, that's what I really would like to have is, you know, um, a, uh, and this is actually not so dissimilar from, from what I learned making, um, grass funeral movie nights, which is make the event that you would want to go to make the film that you would want to watch. Don't make the film you've seen before. Make the film that, that if you saw it at a festival, you would be blown away by it. You would be excited. You would be turned on. That's, that's kind of the North star that I, I think I believe that these other artists really have. And it's what I, I keep always trying to remind myself of to, you know, just don't do things the way you've seen them before. Do things the way you would want someone to, to do them. Do be always called to that higher standard of honesty and passion and going a hundred miles an hour in whatever direction it is you're going. Um, because even if it's strange and people don't always understand it, you know, there are going to be those people that are, are going to be so thankful to, to be, uh, seen and heard through someone else's work, which is really a, a cool thing. Yeah. And, and I, it is so, uh, interesting to watch, um, someone make a, a piece of art that they know in their heart themselves, they would not purchase. Mm. And then, and then sort of be disappointed when others don't want to purchase it. Yes. Um, and, and, and take the time to consume it. Um, it's, it's such a simple thing to say, but a really hard thing to do. And, and most people just don't know themselves that well to be able to say, what is it that I would actually pay for? What is it that I would like? Um, is the art I consume, uh, do, do I fall ass backwards into it or am I, or am I sort of consciously curating my life? Um, uh, it's really surprising to see how many people, um, went to see this film because someone else wanted them to go see it, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. 
Um, but but a lot of times we end up listening to an album or watching a movie um, or watching a show because of word of mouth, which is great, 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 great. Yeah. But but it doesn't necessarily inform. It, it can inform you if you end up liking it. It can inform you a little bit about okay, hey, I like that. Um, but but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily inform you on your personal journey um, in, into learning what to make that that you yourself would be super duper proud of um uh, from from a creation standpoint so that's a it's an interesting thing you you just said there as well and um uh, and and thank you for that uh i want to go into you've talked a lot about jennifer bonier um and she's uh wonderful and i've had the pleasure of working with her before um but one person you haven't mentioned is Stephanie Adams and you guys, the three of you make up Daisy Duke's film. So yeah. um, this is a, a, a three headed uh, female snake <laughs> <laughs> dragon rather uh, that, that uh, you guys have set out to make uh, uh, sh- short films, but they're all horror, right? Yeah. So Daisy Dukes is um, it's short films for, for, female audiences, but not exclusively, but it is always going to be, um, coming from, from that perspective. And the three of us have been working together for such a long time. We have, um, this really great, uh, relationship. Um, you know, we started out just always hiring Stephanie because she is the best AD that, that I can imagine. Yeah. I've worked Um, with her before too. She's she's just wonderful. So wonderful, such a dream. We lost her to Atlanta, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. um, you know she's kind enough to come into town whenever we um, make something. And and because she, you know, I I think an assistant director is the most unsung hero on set. And um, you know, everyone needs their own different kind of ad. And and the one I need is Stephanie. She's she's incredible, um, and she's really been very patient with me and my process of figuring out what kind of a director I am. And, um, and so, yeah, the three of us, you know, Jennifer and I often writing, directing and producing together. And then Stephanie as our AD and now as a writing partner. And, and she just, um, directed her first short film since graduating from Watkins, uh, last at the end of last year that Jennifer and I produced for her and that should be coming out in 2019. Um, so yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, a three-headed snake is exactly the way that, to describe it. It's it's going in a lot of different directions at all times, but having that collaborative collaborative energy that Daisy Dukes has is really important to me. You know, I it's making art is so hard, and so putting um, you know pu- putting a little bit of trust into another person to be there when you're you know to to be on when you're off and to be you know, uh, having answers when you don't, or to, you know, be willing to pick them up when they don't. And and you've got the idea. There's something, um, you know, it's nice having just other people on the bus with you because it's hard to be the gas and the bus and the driver and the wheels and everything. Um, it's really, it's an incredible thing to have creative partners. Um, and I'm so lucky to work with those women. It's incredible. I'm so proud of the work that we do and, and the work that we're, um, planning right now. We have a photo series that um, will be at Abrasive Media over in Wedgwood, Houston in April and May of next year, uh, which is all about um, women as monsters and, and the, the power inherently there. 
Um, so yeah, I, mean, I think Daisy Dukes is figuring out who we are and what we're doing, but it's so fun and wonderful to collaborate together. And if, it, you know, if it weren't for the two of them, um, and their willingness to work with me, I, I think I'd be a very different artist and, and not one that I'm very interested in at all. And so Daisy Dukes is going to be more than just a passion project. Then you guys have some pretty, um, big expectations. Is that right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. We, um, the nice thing is we're all very motivated. We all have that hustle. And so we're producing all the time and that's really, that's really nice. And it helps us sharpen our teeth and, you know, travel to festivals and meet other artists and, you know, be inspired in that way. Um, but yeah, Jennifer and I just started talking about our first feature script together. Um, and yeah, I, I guess it can't be Daisy Dukes then because it's not short shorts, but, um, you know, really whether we're making these micro shorts that, that we've done in the past or, or expanding out of that with, you know, producing this work for, for Caleb and other people. Um, it's real. I do think we have very high expectations of ourselves and, um, and that's been really fun to experiment with, with other people. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. And so, yeah, you just answered my next question, which is why Daisy Dukes and yeah, short shorts. That's, that's brilliant. Uh. You know, and also with, you know, playing with these genre elements that we do, you know, this, the like late seventies horror, which is where my heart really is. Um, you know, you've got these like girls running around the woods in these short shorts and it's kind of reclaiming that a little bit with a little, a little wink. Yeah. I, 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 I love it. I think that's, Fantastic. Cause I actually thought that's why you named it. That was because all the people in uh, a lot of the characters in the genre find themselves in their underwear or in, yes. or in Daisy Dukes for whatever reason. Uh, but, but to have that double reason is short for inside the house. And I felt so bad cause they were so short, but she's such a trooper. She was fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was great in that. And, um, I want to spend some time, uh, talking about defy and, and what you're doing with that. Um, you, you got 600 films submitted last year, which is mind boggling. Um, and just being able to review that number of films, you started the film festival as, like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, to be an extension, a, a growth, if you will, from the, the grassy knoll movie night. Um, and you have, um, some different rules. You have some different perspectives on how the, the uh, festivals run and, and how one submits their films and what films uh, are accepted. Um, but everyone, and, and you've made it no secret, everyone knows that, that you're a lover and maker of horror films. Um, I think you're even quoted as saying, I think a lot of artists are waking up to the fact that we're living in a little bit of a horror movie. Um <laughs> you know, in real life, I'm, I'm wondering, has that been a detriment to you uh, and to the festival at, at any point where you're getting, where people think that if they submit a horror film, they have a better chance than if they submit a comedy, because I know that wasn't the intent of the festival. Yeah. That's hard for me to say. And it's a really good question. Um, I started defy with uh, my partner, Billy Sinise, who is also a horror director. And so it has never been our intention to make a horror festival. There's a lot of those out there. Those are wonderful. We're really interested in all kinds of film. Um, but it does mean that we're like meeting horror people at the festivals that we travel to. And, um, you know, that's a big part of our heart is there. And so we have really tried to 
to make sure that we're balancing that well, um, that we are, are focusing on all kinds of films with Defy, because there's no doubt that that's what, what we're interested in is film. Hard stop. I mean, it is, there's no limits um, to the kinds of films that we want to be showing. Um, and in fact, we really don't want to be a horror exclusive festival. There's, um, there's a couple of other, other of those nearby and they're doing that really wonderfully. And, um, you know, that those there, that's great. And we don't need to be doing that. Um, but we do love it. And we, we maybe have a little bit higher tolerance for that than, than other festival directors. And, you know, a big part of putting on a festival is, um, especially as the programming goes, is it's going to be our perspective. It's our taste. You know, Billy is a, is a really unique artist. And as a senior programmer, he's drawn to things that other festival directors wouldn't. And, you know, we've had to also just say similar to the throw the event that you want to attend is this is our, this is our taste and we're going to program the work that we like. And, you know, if that becomes the unique voice of Defy because it's our voice, then, you know, we just have to embrace that and stand by it. But to, to your point of, um, you know, the, the climate culturally that we're in right now, I do think that horror is having a moment, um, as in a lot of time, um, times of, of political distress and confusion, horror has always offered the opportunity to talk about real life terrors using these monsters and these tropes that we know, um, to really speak about the real world. And, and it's always been a really valuable tool for that. And, it's not at all surprising to me that we're seeing that used in that way now, um, you know, in 2018, 2019, where, where we are. Um, and so you're seeing a lot of really beautiful horror films being recognized as, um, as legitimate art, which is what hasn't been the case in the past. And so, you know, it would be really silly for us to avoid showing horror at our festival because we don't want to sway things in one way or another, because I think, people are making more and more horror films and people are making them in a really serious way. You know, you've got get out and Baba Duke and, um, hereditary and really beautiful, legitimate work, um, talking about things that are hard to talk about. And, you know, that's what art should be. And so, you know, I was really excited to, to kick off, um, our 2018 year, uh, at the festival with a night of horror. We had a, a block of really beautiful, great, um, short horror films and then a feature film called to Tokyo, um, which is really lovely. And, um, you know, that there's no doubt that that's certainly something that we're interested in, but I would be really sad if people thought that that's all we were interested in. Yeah, for sure. And and I think you're, you're spot on in terms of the, the sh there's been a, a shift in horror where, um, horror has the ability to almost like comedy to, to take on serious subjects and make them palatable for everyone. And yes. so instead of the slasher movies that you've seen before, now you're seeing, um, and, and, and it's weird what I might actually shoehorn into horror, but, uh, the, the series, the leftovers, mm, things yes. like that, you're getting themes like bird box, which is on Netflix now, um, which is social based, um, world war Z, uh, mm. has a, has a turn towards this, that um, I'm not sure the purge would have been a movie that would have been widely accepted in different times. Yes. Um, so these are all movies that are kind of uh, shifting um, the perspective of what a horror film can be. And, and when you mentioned get out, when you say get out to me, I think immediately that's a defy film festival film mm. um, uh, uh, in terms of here's something totally 
out of left field, a, a comedy writer writing a horror about uh, social um, inequities. So, yeah. um, and stereotypes and all sorts of things. There's so much in that that you can actually unpack uh, beyond just the fun of being in a horror movie. Um, it's a fun movie, but then, you know, it is so much more. And I, I think horror films have actually always had that opportunity. You know, if you look at the thing or invasion of the body centers, like I was saying, like there's a cultural bet or a political bent to both of those. Um, but you know, people just, it's very easy to disregard horror films as just kind of trash. And, um, I'm glad that people are realizing that, that it's really never been the case. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's, I think that's wonderful. And, I, um, and I think we, I think, Get Out and other films uh, of that ilk recently have have sort of um, given everyone permission to make the highbrow horror film if they want, uh, and and not necessarily highbrow. That's probably the wrong way to put it, but but make a horror film that can be nominated for a movie of the year. Yeah, um, have you seen the trailer for his new one, Us? No, not yet, not yet. You should go and watch it. It looks terrifying. Okay, I am. I'm on it. That is my homework assignment from Dicey Wildman, which means I'm going to definitely do it. Um, <laughs> uh, you made a decision. You and Billy made a decision to only have two categories: feature and short. Um, has that boxed filmmakers out a little bit? Has it been more inclusive? What, why did you guys make that decision? The intention was to be more inclusive. Um, what we didn't want was to say we had these categories. And so let's say we, you know, we have a documentary category and a comedy category and whatever. And then, you know, we're trying to fit the films we're getting into these pre pre uh, prescribed boxes. And then we're taking a less good comedy because we just need to fill out the block and we're not accepting the, the, you know, better and more inspiring documentary because we already have too many documentaries. We really wanted to, um, to, keep ourselves and the filmmakers that we're trying to honor out of that experience. And so um, the way that we, the way that Billy always describes it, which I think is really perfect is, you know, similar to kind of a like farm to table restaurant where <laughs> you're going to take what you get, like what's in season right now, what's coming in really great. If, if it's um, you know, if there's, if you have a lot of asparagus, you're going to build up a, a meal around the asparagus. And that's, and that's going to be the star of the show that season, that meal that year. Um, and then the next year you might get a lot of other things. Um, and then you're going to build it around that. And so the goal was really to, to set ourselves up to be able to honor the films that we're getting the best that we can. And so it means, you know, this last year we had a really beautiful Iranian program. Um, you know, we're not specifically searching out Iranian films, but we just had this incredible Iranian program and we, you know, we're excited to be able to honor that. Like I said, the, the horror film, we got a ton of horror this year or last year that we hadn't gotten in years prior. And so we put together this horror program. Um, so the goal really being to, to keep not having more genres was meant to say, we want everything. And we're going to see what films we fall in love with, what we're passionate about, and then put together the best program with those films. Um, so we hope, I mean, we, you know, we want music videos and experimental things and animation and documentary and everything because um, we're just looking for the films that, that excite us. And then, you know, we hope people trust us to be able to curate event, an event out of those that, um, that you know, is special and, and hopefully honors those artists and those films as best we can. 
Yeah, I can't tell you how many times, and this this goes into writing, screenwriting as well, how many times you'll hear, and I've heard people say, you know, um, what we did was really good. We were in a crowded category, and mm-hmm. so we got boxed out. Or I wrote this great script, but because I, I didn't put it as coming of age and I put it as uh, drama, uh, there was, you know, a thousand other scripts in drama and I didn't make it. Had I put it in in coming of age, then it would have, you know, blah, 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 blah. So it gives like categories actually give artists a lot of paranoia about why they didn't get chosen. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I think more and more the work that, that Defy is really interested in is the work that totally defies genre. And so why would we put that out there when really what we're saying is like, just tell me a story, show me something I've never seen before, you know, and I, I don't care if you think it's a, comedy or a dramedy or a coming of age. I just want to hear your story, hear this thing, watch this, this experience. And then, um, you know, we'll do what, what, with it, what we think honors it the best on our end, but yeah, we don't want to limit what comes our way at all. Yeah, for, for sure. And you guys had a massive moment where the Nashville scene named you, uh, the best, uh, Nashville's best film festival. What do you think it is about what you and Billy have built that, that won you that award? Well, I want, to, I want to clarify, we did not get the best film festival. Um, you know, there's a, an incredible, large, and very well-established film festival in town. Uh, but we did get best indie film festival. which Best really, indie film festival. Yeah. Sorry. Let me, no, yes, I, thank you for that. And, uh, oh my gosh, we were so thrilled. We have been lucky enough to um, work or just be seen and, and by um, the local um journalist Joe Nolan, and he's really been an advocate for us for a while. And so I I hold him responsible for that, but it meant a lot to us. You know, we, it's so hard putting on any event, no matter what it is. And and there's so many people in Nashville who who know about this, where you're putting on your show and you're slaving to just get people to know about your, your, you know, your showcase and whatever it is. Um, And it's so hard to get people out there. And it's, we've, there's so much going on in Nashville all the time that to just rise up, not rise above it, but just be heard in, in the din of it all is difficult. And so that it was really nice after three years to, um, to receive that honor. It meant a ton to us and we hope to really, um, rise to that occasion and hopefully maybe some people that didn't know about us before have heard about us and will check us out in 2019 and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll make them proud because it, it meant a ton to be, um, just to be seen, you know, we're working hard out there and we're doing it because we love Nashville and because we love this work and, you know, it's not worth it if people aren't watching it. So, um, yeah, hopefully that means we'll just get a little bit more eyes and more butts in seats to see this work. Cause we've got filmmakers traveling from all over the world to, to come and visit and be present with their work and talk to our audiences about them. And, um, you know, we hope we have audiences to, to uh, be part of that conversation. Uh, I mean, it is my, uh, prediction that this is just going to continue to get bigger and bigger. Uh, that's just what happens when you have people working with a bias towards action and, uh, and their intention is in the right place. Mm-hmm. And, and my guess is come around August this year, uh, uh, you're going to have an explosion of attendees and, and well-wishers and uh, even more films uh, than you could imagine. So uh, definitely I'll be there. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Nick will be there. So Bonza will be in the house for, for, for certain. And um and I can't wait to see what you do with it. Um, Dicey, you've been so, so uh, awesome, this conversation and, and hanging in there with me. Uh, we have a popular question that we ask. I want to put a different twist on it before I let you go. Um, what are the three things 
you have to know or do if you wanted to start your own film festival? Oh, wow. Okay. You know, some of these things I've touched on already, um, but I would say you have to um, be willing to not know. You have to be willing to be the dumbest person in a conversation and ask the, the simple questions and take a lot of notes and find people who, who know more than you do and, and soak up whatever they're willing to share and be willing to be humble. Um, and I think you have to be a little crazy. I'm going to say that I'm gonna say <laughs> anytime you're putting on an event, I mean, really, um, Billy and I have likened it to, you know, we throw a wedding every year. I mean, it's so huge. There's so many moving pieces. It's really exhausting. Both of our marriages struggle with just us not even being present when, when as much as we'd like to in August. And, you know, you have to be a little nuts and you, you have to really love it and you have to, um, be, um, be willing to, to go through that stress because even at the times that it's, it's just the most beautiful experience and and blessing ever. And it's so exciting. You know, there were lots of hours of just ripping your hair out to get there. And so you have to be really willing to do that. Um, and then, um, and then I think you have to come at it with, um, really the desire to highlight the work we've all been to festivals that, you know, just, it doesn't feel like it's about the, the work. It's not about, you know, the people running it don't love the movies they're showing. Um, and if you don't love it, then, you know, there's so many better ways to spend your time. And certainly, I mean, it's, it's not a, a profitable, fruitful thing. It's not an easy way to make money. It's very difficult and expensive. And so if you're not in love with that work, if you're not in love with the idea of, of highlighting artists and finding them and, and nurturing them and encouraging, um, then there's, there's better ways to spend your time because it, it is really hard. But if you, if you have all of those, if you have the humility and the drive and the, and the love of the work, um, you know, I would say just keep like, find the path that just keep walking down it. And whenever you hit a wall, find the person you have to call to ask the right question. Uh, Cause you know, people do want to help if you're willing to ask for help. Yeah. That was your Tupac moment because that was the realest shit you ever spoke. Um, <laughs> because, because what you just said there at the end about the festival organizers actually liking the movies that they screen uh, listeners might say, well, that doesn't make sense. They chose those movies, but I will tell you, and I'm not going to name names because that's not who I am. It's not who Bonsai is, but I've been, um, I've been in rooms. Um, you know, I, w- I will, I will tell you, I was at a breakfast last year and I had a film organizer there with me from a festival. And, um, you know, that person just said, yeah, that movie sucked. And, and then I, I, turn and I said, yeah, but that movie won your best feature award. What? So, so that doesn't make you look good, right? Like you, you picked a movie that won an award that you didn't like. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. It, it does happen. And it, and it just literally means that the festival is a business that is running off the back of 
um, the creatives that make the work um, to a degree. And I hope it's not like that anymore. And uh, I hope it's not like that at, at uh, 99% of all festivals. That's my hope. Uh, yeah. But but one thing I know is that it's not like that at uh, the Defy Film Fest. So I'm proud of what you're doing. Dicey, you are creating such a wonderful legacy for yourself. And and um, uh, I, I can't wait to uh, just see where it goes and uh, be along uh, on your journey as well. Um, one last thing to tell everybody where they can find you on the internet and where they can find you and follow you on social media. Okay. Um, well, before I do that, I want to say, Chris, thank you so much for this conversation. This is so fun. And I'm feel so honored to, um, to get to speak to you about all this and really, really hope that bonsai can be a part of defy and what you guys are doing in the community is really special and amazing. And I feel like we're coming at it from a really similar perspective. And I just, uh, I'm really excited to know you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, okay. So Defy Film Festival is defyfilmfestival.com. Um, you can find everything there. We also have a really great Instagram, um, daisydukesfilms.com and diceywellman.com are all great ways to find stuff out. Um, and then my social media is dicey dicey, D-I-C-E-Y-D-Y-C-E-E. Um, and I like to post on Instagram. I'm not great. I'm like a little too old to be really good at a lot of social media. And so that's really the only one that I do. And I'm, um, but that's the best place to, to find me. And, um, and, you know, I'm really interested in, um, the work that people are making here. And so, um, through my website or my Instagram or anything, I'm, would like to encourage people to reach out and, um, ask questions and, and anything I'm, um, I would like to be an open book and I would also like to, to help other artists in town. So, um, yeah, find me. You heard it there, folks. Find Dicey. She will uh, help you out for sure. And uh, is a is an endless um, resource uh, for you guys in terms of wisdom and um, maybe taking the next step in your own uh, artistic and creative journey. Uh, Dicey, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to, to chat again soon. Um, certainly have enough on the on the. Um, in just my research alone for us to do a round two. So hopefully we can do that as well at some point. And um, thank you again. I would love that so much, Chris. Thank you so much. This has been really lovely. All right, Dicey. Talk soon. Bye. All right. Bye. Be good. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects and social media feeds, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward slash make it. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. If you do that, the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.